Hi everyone, welcome back to Ortho Radio. We've had a little bit of a hiatus since the last time that we had an episode, but I'm glad to be back in action. Hope everyone has been doing well in that time. Today is the next section of our fracture series. I wanted to continue to talk about some of the most commonly seen injuries that we see in the emergency department. Today's segment is about Tufts fractures and fingertip injuries. This segment's a little bit different than some of the other previous fracture series segments where there's a larger consideration more on the soft tissue around the fracture than the actual fracture itself. For those that are not familiar, a tough fracture is a fracture of the distal phalanx of the finger, specifically right at the fingertip and underneath the nail. So your distal phalanx is from your last joint on your finger out to the fingertip. And the tuft is a small area of the bone that kind of flares out on the x-ray. And that area is very prone to fracturing when you're having injuries such as crushing mechanisms on your hand. It's often from that exact thing where something falls onto the hand, but it can also occur in other scenarios. And we commonly see in the emergency department when there's a sharp dissection through the fingertip, either through uh, some sort of machinery in a shop or cutting food or anything along those lines. It's interesting as the actual most common cause differs by the age group, but makes sense depending on what the actual grouping is. So in 10 to 29-year-olds, it's most commonly that folks get tough fractures from sports. As you get older, the groups between 30 and 70, it's more common to get these fractures using machinery. And in the elderly population, these kind of fractures are more common from falls. So when we talk about the actual fracture itself and the bony element of these injuries... It typically doesn't represent the whole injury in of itself just to say that there's an actual fracture. It's very common for this area of your finger to fracture, but what really matters is the actual associated soft tissue injury. The pulp of your finger or where you're actually feeling things and when you kind of touch down onto objects, there's a large amount of fibrous tissues that connect the skin all the way down to the bone. So even if you have a very comminuted or a very fragmented fracture of the distal phalanx, those little septations that are in your finger there help hold all those pieces in place and keep it relatively stable. Not to mention these pieces tend to be very small and with their very small size, they're typically not amenable to fixation as it would be impossible to get any hardware into them anyways. So as I kind of stated, the bigger issue really is the soft tissue that's around the bone. And the job from here is to figure out what we need to do with the soft tissues. So the two factors that are kind of playing a role into this is the nail bed itself and what remains of the pulp of the finger. So the nail bed itself is more on what we call the dorsal aspect of the finger. And the pulp is more on what we call the volar or the palmar aspect of the finger. When we are trying to figure out what we need to do, we keep in mind that the goal of treatment for these injuries is that we want to provide a painless, functional finger with protective sensation. So all of these things are important because if you're having still pain or you're not having the function that you want from whatever treatment that we're able to do for this, then maybe there's a better alternative. It's also important that you need to have the sensation still in that part of your finger because if you can't feel it, you're going to be at a risk of injuring that finger because you don't know that if you're hitting it on something or you've put it down on something hot or cold or so on and so forth. 
Talking a little bit about some of the anatomy that's associated with the actual bone and the surrounding soft tissues, the bone is really, really close to the overlying nail bed. Uh, so when there's a laceration in the actual nail bed itself, it often communicates directly down to the bone. So we would technically term this being an open fracture where the bone is actually exposed to the outside elements. So at this point, you have to decide what the actual damage to the nail is and whether or not you're able to keep the nail or it's something that you have to actually take off and remove. Uh, sometimes the nail is intact and there's not really a bunch of fragments of it and it's still stable in the nail fold. If this is the case, you can probably leave the nail in place. Sometimes if there's a large hematoma that's under the nail or a collection of blood right underneath the nail, we can make a small hole in the nail and it's called a trephination and we can actually drain the blood out by doing that. And this helps release some of the pressure on the underlying soft tissues and will allow for healing of the uh, fracture and of the nail bed injury. If, however, the nail is so damaged or there's a large laceration under the nail that we feel that we need to address, then what we would do is we would remove the nail from the fingertip so that we can evaluate this further. Don't worry, though. Before we do any of that, we will numb your finger so we make sure that you're not feeling anything when we do that because it's not going to be a particularly pleasant experience. So we want to make sure that people are totally unaware of what's happening. But once we have the nail off of the finger, we evaluate and see what the laceration looks like and whether or not it's something that's repairable or it's something that can be glued back together. Part of the decision-making for that is largely just preference based on the institution or the physicians that you're working with and also somewhat dependent on what the actual laceration looks like. But more recent studies have shown that there's no real difference between using things like Dermabond versus doing a suture repair of these lacerations. So if it's just a laceration on the nail and there's no significant soft tissue injury on the other side, once we've fixed the laceration on the nail, what we need to do is we need to put something into the nail fold to keep things open so that when a new nail starts to grow, it has a place that it can go out and we get, continue to grow out in the area that we expect it to. So if we have the old nail and it's relatively intact, we can put the old nail back into this space so that it keeps things open. Uh, if the old nail is not viable, then what we would do is we usually just put a little piece of foil or a little piece of cut tubing so that it keeps that fold open until something starts to actually grow out from the nail again. Now, initially, this nail is not going to be totally normal. It's going to have kind of a warped appearance uh, as it's trying to regrow into its normal fashion. It's been previously injured. That takes some time, but over time, the nail does usually start to normalize. Now, the other side of this is whether or not there's too much soft tissue loss. And really, when we're talking about that is more on kind of the palmar aspect of the finger where you actually feel and touch objects. So if there's a large amount of loss there and it's exposed down to the bone, what we would typically do is something called a revision amputation. Since you've already done a partial amputation of this from the injury itself, we revise that. So we take down a little bit of the bone so that we're able to get the soft tissues to actually close over top of that bone and protect the bone. Kind of like I talked about when we were talking about the open fractures, we want to make sure that we get coverage over the bone so that we minimize the risk of things like infection. With the bones exposed, you're at a higher risk of that. So that's really one of the goals that we're doing when we're trying to decide what we need to do with the soft tissues. 
If there's a small soft tissue injury, but it's not down all the way to the bone, we can usually let that heal by what we call secondary intention, meaning that we just let it be and the body starts to just kind of grow back new tissue into that and eventually starts filling it in as time goes on. Uh, this actually provides pretty good outcomes, both um, functionally as well as cosmetically, so it's a good option if we're able to do it. Sometimes if the injury is so significant to the tip of the finger that it's affecting too much of an area of both the nail bed and the soft tissue, we'll do that revision amputation, but we have to take it down all the way to the joint so that we can remove everything and be able to get the soft tissues to close. Other times, we will work on doing some sort of soft tissue rearrangement so that we can actually get these to close if needed. These are generally called flaps. Now, what this means is just rearranging tissue so that we can get coverage in an area that we need. These can be done what we term as locally, meaning that using the skin that's right around the tip of the finger and rearranging that so that we can get better closure. Sometimes we do things that are called regionally, where we use soft tissue that's close by, for instance, on another finger, so that we can kind of get an area of that skin from the other finger onto the area that needs coverage. And sometimes you can actually do a skin graft, and we can take a full thickness skin graft in this case and put it onto the tip of the finger to provide some coverage. You don't want to do a thing like a partial thickness skin graft here as this tissue is going to contract. And those split thickness skin grafts, when they contract, it's just going to provide you both the functional outcome that you want as well as the cosmetic appearance when you're talking about the tip of the finger there. Now, the other question that many people ask is, is this something that actually can just be put back on or replanted? And in adults, typically we don't because it typically doesn't provide you good function. It tends to provide a source of increased pain. It tends to make the joints around that area stiff. There's a good chance that if you had a significant injury to the tip of your finger there, that it's gone through the nerves. So you're not going to have good sensation at the tip of your finger there. And again, that can lead to other injuries. So it's usually not really worthwhile to actually put that back on if it's just a small piece that's come off. When we talk about children, they have a better ability to heal some of these wounds. And you can actually reattach some of these and they can actually get relatively good outcomes without actually having to do the microvascular associated work to reconnect the nerves, the arteries, the veins, and everything like that. So it is an option uh, for children, but just putting it back on there in adults simply won't work. And I know that it's one of those things when we talk about, hey, we're going to kind of shorten your finger here. It sounds like a scary prospect and not something that people tend to be particularly thrilled about. But really, the outcomes of this are, are very good. Most people don't really notice once we've actually taken off those fingers, the distal portion of the finger. And when it's all healed up, it tends to just be slightly shorter. And it's usually not that cosmetically apparent. Uh, and it's better functionally, as I said before. So people tend to like it overall. Now, there are some complications that we do worry about. And some of those things happen because of the injuries to the distal fingertip. And some of those things are things like the deformity of the nail. And particularly what can happen is the nail can kind of hook over. So 
we need to be careful when we try to make sure that if there is an injury to the nail that we're repairing it appropriately or if we have to remove enough of the tissue around the nail that we need to fully ablate the nail bed so that it doesn't grow back a new nail. There's also the risk of having an insensate finger. Uh, we already kind of touched upon that. Not ideal. Put yourself at a risk of having other problems in the future. And then there's also the risk of forming what's called a neuroma or when the nerves themselves actually get cut they can try to form back and instead of forming in a nice normal nerve structure forms a small ball of nerves that's very tender and can cause a lot of pain in your finger so in a finger itself these don't have a lot of soft tissue surrounding them so neuromas in this area can be particularly painful so it's something that we do try to work around so as you can see there's a lot of different factors that play into how we treat these injuries. But at the end of the day, everyone's injury is unique and it all affects a different area of the finger and in a different pattern. So it all needs to be treated as a unique injury. So let your physician take a look at your finger and see what they think is going to be the best for it. But this kind of helps provide some of the general principles that we follow when we're doing treatment for these kind of injuries. And again, I know it doesn't sound like an exciting option for having a shortening of the fingertip, but it does lead to good outcomes, and people tend to walk away very happy at the end of the day and have relatively minimal cosmetic deformities. One thing that's kind of interesting and that's kind of grown in popularity over recent years is that there's actually cosmetic tattoo artists who will do a tattoo on your finger to actually make it appear that you have a nail that's in place there. And some of the work is pretty remarkable and it's pretty hard to tell that it's actually just a tattoo on a finger. So if that's something that's important to you or that you're interested in pursuing, there are those folks out there that can actually do that for you and do a very good job. So there you have it. That's the basics of fingertip injuries and tuss fractures. I hope you learned something in today's episode and that it provides you some useful information for whether you or someone you know has one of these injuries and what actually ends up getting done for it. Thanks again for listening to Ortho Radio. We look forward to making more episodes in the future for your listening pleasure. Thanks. Bye.